Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. We thank you for your liberty, the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. You've said for us not to go under, Lord, any yoke of bondage any longer because we're free. And so we thank you, Father God, for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to set the captives free. And so we declare, according to your word, that we are a free people in Jesus' name. Amen. So everyone's got an outline? Praise God. So we'll do our um, communion afterwards. If you just put up your hand, you need an outline, it's good. Now it's interesting, I was uh, getting myself ready to finish the series that uh, uh, we had started three weeks ago. And uh, I thought, well, it's relationship month. We, we, we need to get moving, God. And uh, we, we can't carry on talking about faith. I'll pick it up in September or October or something like that. And I sense God said to me that you are leaving out the major ingredient of faith. He says, you're leaving out love. And... Um, he said, and I sort of answered him back. I said, well, what's love got to do with it? And I thought, thought of that song, hey, what's love got to do with it? And, um, and God, I just sense God saying to me that uh, through the series, he says, my people, they have gained greater knowledge of faith and they've gained greater knowledge on hope and how they work together. But if love's not there, faith's not gonna work. And he says, and they can speak my word all they want to and they can dream the impossible dream. But if, without love, it's going to be dead faith. And so I was quite, I thought, oh, okay, right. And so he said to me, love is pivotal. He says, well, you see, we can get, um, we can work on believing and we can work on our confession. But if we don't work on the area of love, <laughs> then faith's not going to work. It's just as simple as that. And so what's love got to do with it? Everything. And so we're going to spend this morning having a look at love, at the third component in um, the, whole, the whole environment that we live in, the whole world was created by faith, hope, and love. And if I just mention faith, if I just mention hope, and we get all excited about that and go out uh, and uh, find out, hey, this isn't working, faith's not working, hope's not working, well, it's because we haven't got love, and it's a major ingredient there. And so what's love got to do with it? Many of people don't realize what love's got to do with it, but it's got everything. And we're going to have a look here this morning. And I put on your outline that faith doesn't stand alone when we see that last week. There's three cooperating powers that work together and that they are always present whenever we receive anything from God. And what is it? Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now abides faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And so what's love got to do with it? Everything. Basically, I put here on your outline, and so we're going to talk about this this morning, that love is the central theme of Scripture. And 1 John 4, 8, it says that God is love. And so love is the primary characteristic of the nature of God. And all love has its source in God because God is love. And so there's not any type of love that's on the earth right now that hasn't got its source from God because God is love. God is love. And so we'll look a little bit later. In fact, I'll probably mention it right now that there's three types of love. There's the agape love of God, 
uh, which is the God kind of love. And then we have phileo, which is a, a friendship love, a covenant love. And phileo is actually overlaid by agape. And then you have the eros love, which, which is a sexual love. Now, God created all of them. Love comes from God. God is love. And so love has everything to do with our lives and everything to do with the operation of faith, hope, and it has to have love as a major component in it. You see, Galatians 5, 6, it says that faith works by love. And so if love is not present, guess what? Our faith's not working, <laughs> which is really interesting. Faith works by love. I mean, we can confess all we like, but if we're not walking in love, our faith's not going to work. Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 13.8 says that love never fails. And so what, when love is present, our faith cannot fail. How about that? When love is present in my life, my faith cannot fail. That means that I can't fail. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's the power of the love of God that God has made available to us. And that's what we want. We want to be able to step out in faith. And we want to be able to have faith projects. And we want to be able to know that, hey, the faith projects that I assign, my words out there to do some work for me, that I can assign my words and they can go out and do some stuff for me. And it will not fail. Imagine receiving everything that we prayed for. Imagine receiving everything that we speak for. You know, speak about and desire. That would be like heaven on earth. But you see, our behavior has got to be like heaven on earth too. <laughs> in order for that to happen. And so we're going to have a look at that and just see, well, what are you talking about, God? You see, if I can train myself to walk in love, then my faith will not fail and I will not fail. Praise God. So when God said, hey, you're missing out a major component, Vanessa, well, what's love got to do with God? <laughs> Everything. Praise the Lord. And so a key to answered prayer is walking in love. And Jesus was teaching along this line in... Um, Mark 11, which is the um, scripture that we bounced off on when we had a look at the God kind of faith. And he was teaching exactly, I mean, when he's teaching on the prayer of faith, he's talking about faith, he's talking about hope, and then he adds a component to it, which is love. And so we're just going to read that and have a look at it. And Mark 11, 22 to 25, it says here, have the God kind of faith, or have the faith of God, Jesus was telling the disciples. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, this is faith talking, and be cast into the sea, and he doesn't doubt in his heart. Remember, we've talked about faith in our heart. Faith comes by hearing. But he believes those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, this is God talking to us here. He will have whatever he says. says. Then he carries on and says, Therefore, whatever things you ask, when you pray, you believe you receive them. We covered that last week. Whatever things you ask, when you pray, you believe you receive them. Then you will have them. And then he carries on and he adds to that. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your sin. And so there's the love of God put in right there. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, you forgive him that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sin. So this is like a mathematical equation for any of you that are mathematicians. We've got here, we've got hope plus faith plus love equals God's results. Hope plus faith plus love equals God's results. 
And Jesus said, when you stand praying, if you have anything. He says, if you have anything against anyone, well, that covers about everything. Anything? Anything. That's if it's a big thing or if it's just a little niggle. He said, if you have anything against anyone, you forgive. Why? Because your faith's not going to work. Your faith's not going to work. You can speak to any mountain you want to. It ain't moving. You can speak to any trouble you want. It's not moving unless Jesus says you forgive if you have anything against anyone. Whether it's big or small, whether they deserve it or whether they don't. Whether it's their fault or whether it's yours, it doesn't matter. He said if it's, you've got anything against anyone, you forgive. You forgive him. The Amplifier puts it in a great way. It says, forgive him, let it drop, leave it, let it go. How about that? Just let it drop. Jesus is saying, leave it, let it go. Otherwise, your faith's not going to work. Faith works by love. And so if, if there's no love, we have faith, but it's dead faith. If there's no love, we have faith, because we can open our mouth and we can speak. But the Bible talks about dead faith. You see, it's love that gives life to our faith. It's love that energizes our faith and gets it going. And as I said before, you can speak to any mountain you want to, and you can command it to go into the sea, but it's not going to obey you. <laughs> you can speak to anything, anywhere, anyhow, as loud or as quiet as you like, but the mountain's not going to be removed, and it's not going to be cast into the sea. Because if, if, if we don't walk in love, we have no authority, no power, and it's not going to work. And so this is, this is pivotal. Forgiveness is pivotal to our walk of faith and to us seeing results in God. It's very interesting uh, that uh, when people come up on the prayer line, and if, and if people don't receive, and we need to be asking ourselves the question, if I've actually prayed for something and it hasn't come to pass, if I've prayed for healing, and listen, with healing, when we pray for ourselves for healing, we should be able to receive immediate, instant results because nobody else is involved. You know, when we believe in God for finances, as God has got to move, the angels have got to move around in the area of the financial realm because people may be holding up this, somebody may not be paying a bill, somebody may not be turning, around, you know, turning up on time. And so God has got to maneuver and work alongside people and the angels have got to do that. But when it comes to our own healing, it's just me and me involved, then we should be able to stand in faith and declare by His stripes, I am healed. And we should be able to receive that. Jesus said, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And so if we are not receiving healing and we've been standing for years, the first place we should look at is, how's my love walk going? How is my love walk going? And it's interesting, Kenneth Hagen, he, he runs a prayer school, um, a prayer and healing center, and people that are standing against sicknesses and diseases and cancer and incurable diseases, they can come along every day and they can receive the Word of God like we're teaching here, and then they can be prayed for. And the first thing that Kenneth Hagin, he, he comes again and again, and he talks about walking in love. Walking in love. Have you forgiven? Have you let that go? It doesn't matter whether, you, that, whether they deserve it. It's going to hurt you if you don't. And so leave it, let it go. And he says almost instantly, he says he to get people, once they've gone to the altar and they, come, and they come before God and say, God, forgive me for holding that against these people. He says immediately, he says healings begin. Bang, bang, bang. 
Like they, they've left it, they've let it go. What happens? Their faith kicks in, their hope of healing kicks in, and bang, love's there to seal the deal. Praise the Lord. It's absolutely wonderful, powerful. How's my love walk going? You see, forgiveness has everything to do with us receiving the blessings of God in our lives. Walking in forgiveness has everything to do with us receiving the blessings of God in our lives. You see, unforgiveness, what is it going to do? It's going to stop the miracle power. It stops the miracle power. And so if Satan's going to come in and attack anywhere, you can better believe he's going to be attacking our relationships at work, at home. Why? Because he's wanting to get you out of faith. He's wanting to have it, make a dead faith so that your faith is not operating. You can dream the dreams of God, impossible dreams, and they'll just stay dreams. They'll never manifest because love needs to be there. Faith works by love. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Colossians 3 again. I'll read that again. It says, Bear with one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, when we forgive as the Lord forgives us, we give up our rights. We give up our rights to keep records. You know, the History Channel. We have this history channel. Turn on. Oh, yeah, I remember they did that and this and this and this. Yeah, that's right. And some people even pull people out there and put them back in again and then turn the channel off. You know, remember? Oh, yes, I remember what they did. Flick the channel on again, replay, replay it all. And it's always perverted because it's always towards our side, not theirs. And there's always two sides to any story. We pick it back up again. Turn on that history channel. It's not like the good history channel that you see there with all kinds of good stuff. This is all just criticisms and not letting things go, not leaving it. What did Jesus say? He says, you're busy trying to get a speck out of somebody else's eye. He says, and you've got a log in your own. He said that unforgiveness is like a log. He said, that's a speck. He said, but what you've got is a log. And so God says, turn off that history channel. Leave it, let it go. What does it say here that we are to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us? God said, I have forgiven you. How did God do that? He doesn't have a history channel on you and I. He said, your sin, he said, I've put away as far as the east is from the west. He said, your sin and your iniquity, I will remember no more. Absolutely. We can bring up our faults before God. He says, I don't remember that. I can't remember that at all. He has made a choice to forgive us. He has made a choice to forget. He doesn't bring any of our sins up against us. The Bible says that His mercies towards the earth are new every morning. God is a God of forgiveness. Do you realize that the earth out there, they don't know, but every morning God has cleaned their slate clean. He does not hold their sin against them. This earth every morning, every person on this earth, God chooses to look at them through the blood of Jesus Christ. His mercies, His forgiveness is new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. He does not have a history channel on this earth, on your life, on my life, on anyone's life. Why? Because God is love. And love chooses to forgive, chooses to forget. God's in charge of Himself. He's not manipulated by out, outward circumstances and by things that are happening around him. God is a God of forgiveness. And he says, I want you to forgive others as I have forgiven you. And we can do that. We can do that. God said we can. Look at Matthew. I mean, here's Jesus is talking to the disciples about this. And Peter is just trying to get a hold of him and trying to get a grasp on this forgiveness thing. And he says, Jesus, 
You know, if a brother sins against me, how many times am I to come and I'm, I'm to ask him, you know, I'm to, and he comes to me, how many times am I to forgive him? He said, seven times? Thinking God's favorite number, seven, yeah. You know, he's getting a, a brownie point up there, God, yeah. Jesus is saying, Peter, you, you've, you've, you've made it. No, Jesus, God says to, to Jesus, no, I don't say to you seven times. I say to you 70 times seven, and that's in one day. What does that mean? That means without limit. It doesn't matter how many times that person has rejected you, has put you down, 70 times 7, forgive. And then he goes on and he, and he, he shares a story about what the kingdom of God is like and paints a picture and says to people, this is what God is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And he begins this story. And he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared, because this is straight after Peter has asked him, how many times should I forgive? And he says, 70 times seven. Therefore, he says, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought to him who owed him millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay, and so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay his debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay all. And then his master was filled with pity and he released him from, he released him and forgave him his debt. But then that man left the king and he went to a fellow servant who owed him just a few thousand dollars and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time, be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But he would not wait. And he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt was paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. And then the king called the man and he said, uh, and he said to him, I have forgiven you. Oh, sorry. And the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You wicked servant or you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Should you... Uh, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And the king was very angry and he sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from their debt or from your heart. That is what the Lord will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Interesting story. This is a picture of what God has done for us. He has forgiven us a huge debt that we could never pay. There is no way that we could ever pay the debt of sin. We were headed for the torture chamber. We were headed for hell, and we could not pay that debt, and so there was never, ever any way out. And then Jesus is saying, and we turn around, and we take a hold of our friends, our brothers, our sisters, our workmates, and we demand perfection out of them when we, when we haven't been perfect and our God was good to us and he said I'll forgive you look at what Romans 13 8 it brings out the same thing that we have a debt we have a debt that's owing to us and that debt is to forgive he says let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law 
What is the law? The greatest law, Jesus said, the two laws are love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your brother as yourself. He said, these two laws, all the law and all the prophets of the Old Testament are summed up in these two laws, love God, love people. He says, and we have a debt that we owe to our people. We have a debt that we owe to people, and that is to love and to forgive. You see, unforgiveness is dangerous. Unforgiveness is dangerous. It is the opposite of love, and it gives Satan access into our lives. That's what it does. If we don't, if we don't end up in, in hell, in the torture chamber forever, we can live hell on earth here. Why? If we don't forgive. Look, let's just read that part again. In Matthew 18, 35, it says, And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers, until he should repay all that he owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Now that next portion that I've written in your outline, it should read, God is not handing them over to the torturers. People do that to themselves. Put the not. <laughs> okay. God is not the one that hands us over to the torturers. People do that to themselves by not walking in forgiveness. You see, 1 John 5, 18, it says here, it says, we know that anyone that is born of God does not continue in sin. The one who is born of God keeps himself and the evil one cannot harm him. That verse says, we know. It doesn't say we hope so. It says, we know. What do we know? That anyone that is born of God does not continue in sin. Well, what is sin in God's eyes? Unforgiveness is sin. So anyone that is born of God keeps himself by walking in love, by not walking in unforgiveness. And what does that do? It keeps us safe. Look at it. It says here, he does not continue in sin. So we could read that like this. We know that we are born of God and we do not continue in unforgiveness because we are born of God. We are kept safe and the wicked one does not touch us or cannot harm us. And so unforgiveness means that Satan can come into our lives and he can wreak havoc. He can torture. He can come in and he can steal. He can kill and he can destroy. And God, God can't do anything about it because we are refusing to walk in love. We are refusing to let that go, let that drop. And God, as much as he is a God of love, he is also a God of law. He's created law. Gravity is a law. Aerodynamics are a law. There's a whole lot of spiritual laws there. And if we get on outside of the law of love, we get over into unforgiveness and judging. We're getting into Satan's camp, and he's not a good boss. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Look at another scripture here that says the same thing. It says that everyone that is born of God overcomes the world. And I love confessing this scripture. And God just said, look at the first part of that scripture, Vanessa, and I'm putting, and I'm reading it here. Everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith, you know, and we're great, great people of faith and power. And we can confess that all we like. But God said, hey, Vanessa, why don't you read the first part of the verse? And it says here, this is how we know that we love the children of God. Oh, okay. <laughs> by loving God and carrying out his commandments and this is love for God to obey his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome 
For everyone who's born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And so we can confess that scripture all we like, that hey, our victory is the, you know, that our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But unless we are walking in love, if we are, unless we are walking in forgiveness, we are not overcoming the world. We are going to allow Satan to overcome us. You see, we have to fulfill the first part of the command, and that command is to love. You see, our faith overcomes the world. That's conditional upon us walking in forgiveness. Praise God. And if we don't, we're basically giving Satan permission to come on in and to have power over us. You see, unforgiveness gives the torturer, like Jesus was saying here, authority to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And God has to permit it because we're not walking in love, just as I said. He has to permit that. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament God had to permit with the children of Israel. It sounds like it says, and God made that happen, and God did this, and God did that. But if you have a look in the Hebrew, it says that God had to permit this, and God had to permit that. Why? Because they were walking in rebellion, and they were walking out of love with each other, blaming each other, fighting with each other. And God had to permit a whole lot of stuff upon his children, the children of Israel, that wasn't his plan. And the same, same is happening in the body of Christ, that God has to permit sickness and disease. He said, for this, perp- he said, for this reason, many of you are sick and dying prematurely. Why? Because we've broken the law of love and we're not walking in love. It's going to get better shortly. <laughs> you see, when we walk in forgiveness, what happens? The tormentors cannot torment me. That means that my faith is working and it opens me up to the life and the power of God if I choose to forgive. And the thing is, it's good to know that forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. It's a decision that I make that I am going to forgive. It is not an airy-fairy emotional feeling. Love is not from our soul. Love is from our heart, and it is a decision that I make to choose to walk in forgiveness to choose to let it go, to choose to let it drop. You see, what's love got to do with it? Everything, absolutely everything. Faith works by love. You see, now the thing is that God doesn't command us to walk in love without giving us the love to do that with. In fact, if God turned around and told us to love people like he loves people, and then he didn't give us the love to love people with, well, then I could actually go and challenge his justice. I could actually go before the courts of heaven and say, look, I'm challenging you. You're asking me to do something. You're asking me to love people with your love, and I haven't got it. That is totally unjust. But then if God has given us the means by which we are to love people and we can love people, then the responsibility rests on me as to whether I walk in that love. And we find out in the word that God has given us the spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love and he's given us a sound mind in 1 Timothy 1.7. He has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is what causes a lot of people to hold on to unforgiveness. Fear of not being justified, wanting to be justified. Fear of being rejected, fear of being put out. But um, Paul tells Timothy, you've not been given a spirit of fear. I mean, Timothy had all kinds of people coming against him. The, the, the Roman armies were coming, or the Roman citizens were coming against him as a young Christian. He was the pastor in the church of Ephesus, and he was being encouraged by Paul, who was his mentor, to say, listen. He was saying, you haven't been given a spirit of fear, Timothy. You've got a spirit of power. You've got a spirit of love. 
What kind of love? The God kind of love when you got born again. God is a spirit and he is, he is love. And when we got born again, we got born again of God. And so our spirit is a spirit of love. You've got a spirit of power. You've got a spirit of love. And you have a sound mind. And we talked about our mind last, last week, about our soul being anchored to the word of God so that it doesn't go off and get shipwrecked and shipwreck our faith. But the word of God will anchor our soul, a sound mind. And don't play the old history channel. Romans 5, 5, what does it say? That God has, has poured out his love, his love confirms this that what I've just been saying. God has poured out his love, his love into our heart by the power of the Holy Ghost, whom he's given to us. Wow, that means that I can love. I can love as God has given me the power to love. He's given me not only the power, he's given me a spirit of love. And so me, I am a lover. Now my soul is not always like that. <laughs> it's a different person altogether at times. And so I live my life from my spirit. I walk in the spirit and I don't fulfill the lust of my flesh. I walk in the spirit. What is the spirit? I walk in love. And I don't listen to what my mind is saying. What do I do? I cast down those imaginations. I cast down those lofty thoughts about people. Why? Because it's tempting me to try and get into, and walk in unforgiveness. No, I'm the spirit. I'm the boss. And I tell my mind what to think. And I tell my, my, my mouth what to say. And God said I am a spirit of love. And God said that I can walk in love. And so I can walk in love. What does love look like? In the New Living Translation, God gives us a definition of what his love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. It said, love, this is us. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way and it's not irritable. <laughs> and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses hope, never loses faith, sorry, always hopes and endures through every circumstances. Love never fails. Isn't that awesome? Now, what I can say about myself is we can just turn around, we can put our name in there. And I can say, I am patient and kind. I am not jealous or boastful, proud or rude. I do not demand my own way. And I'm not irritable. And I do not keep record of being wronged. I do not rejoice about injustice, but I rejoice whenever truth wins out. I never give up. I never lose faith. And I always hope. And I endure through every circumstances. I never fail. That is totally accurate. That we can declare that over our lives. We are speaking truth about our spirit being. We are training our mind who we are in Christ Jesus. God has delivered me from the powers of darkness and he has translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. That kingdom is a kingdom of love. God is love. And so his whole kingdom is a kingdom of love. And so that is who you and I are. This is the people that we are. The agape love of God, unconditional, self-giving, unmerited for the good of those undeserving. That's the agape love of God. None of us deserve it. Nobody deserves everything if we'd like to put it that way. But God's given us his love. 
the God kind of love. Look at that. It says it never gives up on people. God never gives up on people. And it keeps no record of wrong. That's God. That's what God feels about you. And that's what God feels about our creation. All the people out there, God never gives up on them. Love doesn't give up. It keeps no record of any wrong. It chooses to do that. Wow. And somebody says, well, you don't know what they've done to me. Well, God knows. God knows. God knows what it feels like. That you may have been mistreated. You may have been overlooked. God knows exactly how you feel. He's, he's, he's touched with the feelings of our, of our infirmities, of our weaknesses. And some people here, you may have been abused. You may have had words spoken over you as children that you're a nothing, that you're a nobody. You may have had all kinds of horrific things that have happened to you as a human being that were certainly not the plan of God. But God says love doesn't keep a record of those things. And when, and when we allow ourselves to hold a record of those things, we're actually damaging ourselves. There's more damage in holding a record and keeping an account of those things than there is on letting it go. Praise the Lord. You see, when my soul tells me I can't love that person, my spirit says, yes, I can. And so there's an argument that's going on between the spirit, and this is where you'll see your spirit, soul, and body. And I said, no, I can't do that. I cannot forgive that person. Do you know how many times they've done that to me? Mm-mm. You know, with that, mm-hmm. you know how we can get our voice to swing that way? To kind of side, get people side with us? Proverbs actually says one record sounds, sounds right until you hear the other side. And we've heard many sides with husbands and wives, and we've heard the wife's side. And then you hear the husband's side, and I think, you, you hear the wife and think, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. And then you hear the, the, the husband's side, and you think, well, that just sounds a bit more accurate. You know? <laughs> Listen, I tell you, I tell you, the soul. Paul says, I know that within my soul dwells no good thing. He says, for me to want to do what is right, which he's talking about a spirit. He says, but then I've got the soul on the inside here who's actually fighting to do wrong. He says, what can I do? He says, within me wants to do right and the other side wants to do wrong. God, help me. And then he says, thank God I've been delivered through Christ Jesus. Now I walk in the spirit and I do not fulfill the lust of my flesh. And so we do not fulfill what our mind is saying and all of the the opinions that it has. It's a carnal nature and it's death to us. God says, you learn to take my word, walk in the spirit, walk in love, declare who you are in Christ Jesus, walk in forgiveness. It's life to those that find it, life to us. Praise the Lord. But you see, God is not a God that doesn't have compassion. He knows exactly what it feels like to be rejected, to not be accepted, to be damaged. He knows exactly what that feels like. He's walked that road many times with his creation. When he's reached out to his creation through the New Testament and he's reached out to them and they've accused him and they've abused him, totally misunderstood who he was as, a, as, as God. He knows that. And even we have, a look at the, um, we have a look at the cross and we find God at the cross as a, as, a, as a prime example of having a look at God, having to forgive a creation that didn't want forgiveness. But you see, God's love never fails, does it? And so Jesus, and I was, just, we, we were just, I was just spending some time looking at this and having a look at, love was Jesus' final test. That was the final test that he had to sit. 
He had to stand before the courts of hell. He had to stand before every demon spirit. And you can imagine at that time when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and then he was going to the cross, you can imagine that he had every force in hell, every demon spirit that had rebelled against, the, against God and against heaven. They were arrayed against the Son of Man at that time to get this man to tip. And we find that Jesus came in there. In fact, let's have a look here. He was talking to his disciples. And you just have a look. Jesus had set his face like a flint, um, Isaiah says, to go to the cross to do what God had commanded him. And because he said that, he said, Satan has nothing in me. Why? Because he was doing what God was asking him to do. Let's just read this. In John 14, and we're just going to spend a bit of time looking at God walking in forgiveness. God doesn't ask anything of us that he doesn't do himself. And so if God does that in the Old Testament, if God does that in the New Testament or in the Gospels with Jesus, we can do that today because we have all of his love within our hearts. And so John 14, 30 to 31, this was Jesus heading towards his final test, that final countdown. And what was that his final test was to win back his creation, win back his creation, his beloved creation who didn't want him. And he said, I will not speak with you. He's talking to his disciples. He said, I will not speak with you um, much more, with you, sorry. For the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, and I do exactly as the Father commanded me. What did he say? He said that the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. You see, the torturer, Satan had nothing in Jesus. Why? Because he was walking in love. Satan could find nothing in him because he was walking in love. He said, he carried on saying, he said, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me. Well, what was that command? God's command was that you're going to forgive your creation. God's command was that you were going to allow yourself to be treated abominably, to be abused and to be accused and to be totally defamed in front of the world courts, mocked at, stripped. You were going to allow your body to be so beaten that it was marred above the point where you could recognize it was a man. Remember, he was the son of, he was the son of man. He had come, God had come in the flesh as a man. He had left his, 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 his God suit in heaven, and he had come as a man. He is touched with the feelings of our own weaknesses as people. And he was facing the courts, being accused and abused by, by, by all the courts in the land at that time. And the test that he had was would he forgive? Now Satan knew. Satan knew. He, Satan was in that court. You can imagine he would be in that court. He was inspiring those people to abuse Jesus, to spit in his face, to strip him and to mock him Why he was wanting Jesus to break. He was wanting Jesus to say, no, God, I can't do this. No, that's enough. I don't want to forgive them. They don't want our salvation. They don't want our love. They don't want to be with us. I will not forgive them. You see, he had a choice. He had a choice to say, no, I'm not going to go through with it. This is too much. They pulled out his beard. I mean, you guys imagine that. 
Have a, look, have a read in Isaiah 53 when it said that they stripped him and they beat his back so that it was actually mincemeat. It said he was marred but beyond the form of a man. We see Jesus on the cross and he looks like a human being. He was marred. They had, they had used those, those whips with copper and pottery that was, wet, that was tied on the bottom of that, a cat of nine tails, and they would flick that thing and rip out the skin. And it was 40 lashes or more. 40 lashes the Jews had, but the Romans didn't have any such law. The fight that Jesus had to the point, he knew he was going to that place. He knew what he was going to stand. And the Bible says in the Garden of Gethsemane, the pressure of having to do what he did. And what was that pressure? To actually forgive. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. That pressure was so powerful that the Bible says that he actually swatted, he, he sweated drip, uh, drops of blood. And they say that a person, a human being, can actually sweat drops of blood under incredible pressure. That was the pressure that he had to put up with. Now, if Jesus said to God, God, I can't do this. I am not going to do this. I can't forgive them. This is too much. You know what would have happened? Salvation would have come to a grinding halt. Why? Because God needed his faith. He needed his hope, but he actually needed love. He needed the love of God to be coming out of Jesus Christ in order for God's faith to work. And so the power, what, what's love got to do with it? Everything to do with our salvation. Absolutely everything. The power that it took to raise Jesus Christ from the dead was God's faith, God's hope, and God's love. And if Jesus refused to forgive, then God couldn't get him out of that place in hell. Because when we refuse to forgive, God loves us, but He can't get us out of the hands of the tormentors. He's got to leave us there until we come to our senses and say, God, forgive me. And then God can deliver us. Our own words deliver us from the tormentor. And so Jesus was an incredible, pivotal place even in Himself. God going to hell, and if He didn't forgive, He'd stay there. Whew. How about that? Faith, hope, and love. You see, but we find that Jesus didn't react. But what did he do? He said, I commit myself unto you. I commit myself unto you, God. And what happened? On your outline, hope anchored Jesus' soul. We talked about hope anchoring the soul last week. Hope, his hope anchored Jesus' soul at that time. And what was that hope? God's hope before the foundation of the world was that he was going to save his creation to become a man and to, go, to die and to go to hell for people that didn't even want to be free. But that's what his hope was. He had dreamed, the Bible says, before the foundations of the world, it said Christ died for us. What was that? That was God's dream. That was God's hope. God, God had a hope even before the foundations of this world. God knew what man was going to do. And he planned, I will come and I will be a man and I will be used, I will be, I will be accused, I will be abused and I will forgive them and I will go to hell for them and I'll stay there for them for three days and three nights and then God, because our faith, our hope and our love's working, you can pull me back out of that place and not only me will you pull out of there but you'll pull everybody else out of cre in creation that wants to believe in their salvation. That's the power of love, the power of walking in forgiveness. And so this hope anchored Jesus' soul. 
That same hope anchored, anchored God's soul from wiping his creation out many times. I mean, the children of Israel, this is this prime example of when God and Moses, I mean, God walked with Moses. God and Moses were very good friends. And God delivered um, the Jewish nation out of Egypt. Ten incredibly huge plagues that God sent onto the kingdom of Egypt, the world power at that time, and God came in to visit his people and he delivered them. And as I've said to you many times before, Egypt has never recovered from an encounter with God. They've never recovered from that encounter with God. And he brought Israel out with a strong and mighty hand. He fed them with manna every day. That manna would come down. There was a huge big rock there that followed them. And the water came spurting out of a rock enough to, to uh, cause um, three million people plus to be satisfied. The snakes that were all in the wilderness, it says they never stung them. They never bit them. Only, and you'll find a story when they did. The snakes were always there, but it was only their disobedience when they disobeyed God that the snakes came in and killed them. The torturer came in. Ten times that they'd, they'd argued and they'd moaned and they'd grizzled against God, and God came down to Moses. He said, I've had enough. He said, stand aside, Moses. He said, I'm going to blow the whole lot out of the water. He said, I've had enough of them. He says, all I hear, this is God coming down from heaven, coming to talk to Moses. He said, I've had enough. He says, no matter what I do, he says, they're criticizing me. He says, stand aside, Moses. He said, I'm going to kill a lot of them, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. Now, Moses could have said, yeah, God, you know what? I agree. Why don't you just wipe the whole lot of them out? Now, does that sound like the love of God? No, it doesn't. You know, Moses actually counseled God on that day. And he said, God, he says, what are the nations going to say? What are the nations going to say about you? That you brought them out of Egypt, but you couldn't sustain them? If you destroy them and you wipe them all out, what about your name? Come on. Come on, God. You're a God of love. You're a God of covenant. Don't you remember your covenant? Don't you remember your dream for your people? That was Moses, a man talking to God. And God said, yeah, you're right. And God turned around and he forgave them for the 10th plus time. He forgave them, wiped their record, and started again. That's the love of God. Moses walking in, the, in love and God walking in love. So God knows what it's like to be, to be abused. He knows what it's like to be accused. He knows what it's like to be totally misunderstood. And so he knows the challenges that we face to, to, to choose to walk in forgiveness, to choose to do what is right according to the word of God. You see, God was grieved with them, but he chose to forgive them. And so love is a choice. If we just get that into ourselves, that love is a choice. I just choose. We don't actually conference with our soul and say, well, what do you think? What do you think? How many times is this now? And you click on the History Channel. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. No. And you're bringing out, yeah, and you bring out a whole list of stuff. No. That just shows me that I'm not walking in love. If I can remember my sins and iniquities, he remembers no more. We can choose to forget. God has chosen to forget your sin. He's chosen to forget the times that you missed it yesterday. Your sin and iniquity, he remembers no more. We are made in God's image to be like God. We can choose from our spirit to not remember those sins, not remember those iniquities anymore. Praise God. And so Jesus had a choice at that cross. He had a choice. He had a choice whether he was going to do what God did. Moses convinced God. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Wow. 
talking to God and counseling the God of love, the God that is love, the God that created love. And God was ready to blow the whole thing out. And then here's a man that God had influenced so much. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Well, that day, Moses happened to be sharpening God. Wow. And the Bible actually talks about Moses. He was the meekest man in all the earth. What is that? He had a revelation on walking in love. He had a revelation of walking in love. And so Jesus could have refused to forgive, and he would have been justified because we never did, none of us deserve it. None of these people deserved it. Man did not deserve to be set free. And those accusing him certainly deserve to go to hell. You see, if Jesus had said, no, I'm not going to forgive, I'm not going to forgive them, then basically he would have lost everything that he'd come to the earth to do. He would have lost it all. I mean, he would have lost everything if he had refused to forgive them. But you see, his vision, he looked. He looked, and he saw billions of people saved. He saw billions and billions and billions while he was standing in that court, while he was being beaten by the Romans, while he was nailed on that cross with those huge big nails on there. He was looking, his hope was looking at billions of people getting born again. And he saw your face, and he saw my face. And that's what gave, gave him the power. That's what empowered him to say, on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Those words locked in faith, hope, and love, and salvation was sealed for all of creation on those words. On those words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. That was Jesus walking in love his faith, his hope, and his love. And so the moment he said those words, as I said, faith was locked in. The hope that they'd had before the foundations of the world locked in, and the love brought that thing to pass. And we find out Satan could do nothing about it. He could do nothing to stop that. He tried every pressure, everything to get him to just say, no, I'm not going to forgive. And then he went down into hell for three days and three nights for you and I, the first time that hell had ever seen a God factor in there and the power of God was able to operate faith, hope and love pulled Jesus Christ back out of there. And as I said to you before, not only did Jesus come out, but there was many sons in glory on the legal terms of heaven came out at that same time. That's the power of love. Praise God. You see, God is love and so the whole theme of the earth is about love. And so we are children of love. That's just how it is. And God walks in love, as I said to you before, His mercies are new every morning. If, if we think about it, when, he's, when that scripture says, His mercies are new every morning, great is His faithfulness. If we think about that for the whole of creation, that His forgiveness, mercy and forgiveness, go hand in hand towards all of the creation, all of the sin that's going on, all the degradation that's going on, and God looks down there and His mercy towards them is new. His forgiveness towards them is new. Everyone starts with a, a clean slate. Our sons, our daughters that are away from God right now, your parents that aren't with God right now, God looks down on them. Don't even think, oh, my mum and dad, they're in this, they're involved in this, and they're involved in all those kinds of things. God doesn't see that. God sees mercy to them this morning. Mercy to them this morning. Forgiveness towards them this morning. Great is his faithfulness to who he is as a God. Absolutely fantastic. Praise the Lord. And so God is love. Faith is working for people. God is not the accuser of the brethren. 
Who was the accuser of the brethren? The Bible says that Satan is. And he says that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And so if we are finding ourselves accusing, then we can know who's coming, what's coming out of our mouth and who's instigating those kinds of words. Because we're speaking life over people. We are believing the best of every person. We keep no account of a suffered wrong. That's who we are. Praise the Lord. And so we don't allow Satan to use us to accuse why it's going to shut down our faith. It's going to shut down our faith. It won't shut so much down the hope because we can still dream. You can dream, dream, dream you like, and you can speak out that dream, but it will stop. It'll be dead faith, and it won't work. Let me just read that to you again in Mark eleven twenty-five, where it says, And when we stand praying, woof, if we have anything against anyone, forgive. And just think about that. And just even, even as I'm speaking now, allow that word to bring understanding to your own heart now. If I've got anything against anyone, anything against anyone, God says, I don't care what they've done. It doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. Jesus, as far as Jesus was concerned, the whole world was wrong. But he committed himself to God. I commit my soul to you, Father. The whole world was wrong for him. And so it doesn't matter. Who's right? Who's wrong? Don't allow Satan to take us on to that. But you don't know what they've done. In fact, the Bible talks about, you know, people wanting to be justified. And, you know, and we hear a lot of that now. Look, I just need to be justified. I'm being justified in Christ Jesus. I don't need to justify myself. I don't need to justify myself because I've already been justified in Christ Jesus. So I don't need to. And what are we told to do? Cast all the care of it on the Lord and he'll take care of it for you. Cast it on the Lord. Cast that situation on the Lord, and He will take care of it for you. And if you carry the care again, cast it back on Him. God, I'm sorry. I've, I've, I've brought that care of that situation again. Cast it back on Him again. You see, some people think that they have a right to not forgive. I have a right to not forgive. But they don't realize that they're turning themselves over to the tormentor. And then what happens is their faith won't work. And then they start to get offended with the word and they sort of say, well, the word's not working. And then they'll start to get offended with God. They'll start to get offended with the word. But it's really that they're not working the word because they're not work, walking in love. And so we just got to forget about what our rights are, you know, that I have a right to be un, walking in unforgiveness. I have a right to stick up for my rights in this situation. The Bible talks about us guarding our heart diligently for out of it is coming life. And so we've got to guard ourselves against that. In fact, look at this scripture here. I was just wrote this down. I thought this was quite marvelous um, to be able to give us an understanding of, of walking in faith and the power that we have to walk in faith. And John, the apostle John, he gives us another um, version of what the prayer of faith looks like. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he says, you're going to ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now that's faith. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you are my disciples. And I was just reading that and I was looking at that and I was thinking, yeah, that's another version of the prayer of faith, that you can ask anything that you desire and it shall be done for you. But the first part of that verse, it says here, that if you abide in me, well, who is God? God is love. And if my words abide in you, well, what is it? This is the message of love. I mean, love wrote this book. Jesus is the word, and the word is God. And so that word has to be love. And so we could read it like this. If I, if, if, if I abide in love, or I'll read it this way with, with God saying it. If you abide in love, 
and my love abides in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. If you abide in love, which is the operation of love working, and my love abides in you, you will ask what you desire. That desire is your hope. You're asking, so that's faith. And then here's the results, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bring forth much fruit. We could read it the other way. We could say, if you do not abide in love, and my love does not abide in you, you can ask what you desire, and it shall not be done for you. And so that's quite, quite clear. I'll read that again. If you do not abide in love, and my love does not abide in you, you can ask what you desire, and it shall not be done for you. Mm, okay, God, I think I like the other one better. That if I abide in love, and your love abides in me, that I can ask what I desire, and it shall be done for me by this my Father is glorified that I bear much fruit. You see, God is into us bearing fruit. God is wanting us to bring forth. He's wanting us to bring forth fruit that remains. You see, Satan knows love is the greatest. And he is going to, what is he going to do with us as human beings? As I see to you about rights, he's going to get us to try and stick up for our rights. He's going to get us to try and, and rally for ourselves. And I thought about that and I thought, well, hey, if we're going to talk about rights, let's talk about our right to walk in the supernatural. That's the kind of fruit God wants. The fruit of supernatural, miraculous power walking and manifesting itself in our lives. That is a right that we have. A right to be able to tap into the spirit realm and to download inventions, to download problem solving. If you're a doctor, to be able to download a, 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 a breakthrough in the area of some sickness or disease. If you're a songwriter, to be able to download something from God, a song that can turn and transform the world. Why not? That is my right. If we're going to talk about rights, let's talk about our rights in God and our right to walk in forgiveness, our right to walk in love, our right to be able to walk and bring forth manifestations of healing, miracles, transformations in our city and our generation. If it was good enough for the men of the Old Testament, you trace any of the men of the Old Testament that impacted their generation and you'll find they're men that walked in love. They walked in faith, they walked in hope, and they walked in love. You look at David, he was hunted down for 25 years years by an unjust king who was jealous of him. And David said, I refuse to lift my hand up against God's anointed. And God brought him in and he was a nation changer. You find Daniel who was thrown in prison unrighteously. And he said, O King Darius, I will not raise my heart up against you, O King. I honor you. You did this unknowingly. And God got that man out of there. The lions couldn't open their mouths. They couldn't eat him. You find the four boys went back into the flames with another king. And again, they, they kept a good attitude. They chose to walk in love and the flames couldn't, couldn't burn them. There was not even a smell on their coat. You look and trace through any, any of them. Joshua and Caleb, when all of the nation was still grumbling and they ended up dying in the wilderness, Joshua and Caleb could have ended up walking out of love and thinking, I've had enough. But for 40 years, they went in the wilderness and they walked with these boys. They walked with that rest of that nation. Those men kept a good attitude. They walked in love. And those 40 years later, they got went in and they took the promised land. If they hadn't, they would have died in the wilderness with the rest of them. Now, some people can maybe slow you down. Their actions against you may slow you down, but they can't stop you. They can't stop you. 
They cannot stop you fulfilling what God has in your life. If you choose to walk in faith, you're walking in God's hope and you're choosing every day that I'm gonna walk in love. Every day my mercy towards that person is new. Great is my faithfulness. I keep a short record. And that's not to say that we're not gonna get angry. God's a practical God. God gets angry. Have a look in the Old Testament. He got angry sometimes. But he said, be angry and sin not. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, which means keep a short account. If you get angry and you blow up, put it right. Don't go to sleep on that. Some of you may not be sleeping for two or three days, but don't go to sleep on it, all right? All right? God says, it's all right to get angry, but don't sin. Go. It's the more mature one that goes to the other one and says, look, would you please forgive me? We're human beings. We're going to make mistakes, communication, all that kind of stuff, misunderstandings. Male and female are totally different, different beings altogether. Men wonder what on earth she is, and she wonders what on earth he is. And then God decides to bring them together. <laughs> well, it must work. God said it did. He says it's not good for them to be alone. <laughs> but there has to be some work. And we have to, if we're believing for houses, if we're believing for lands, if we're believing for businesses, don't allow Satan to come on into your relationship, into your marriage and bring strife and unforgiveness. Anything Jesus said, any little thing will stop your faith. And so it's just as easy to be mature and just say, would you please forgive me? Would you forgive me? I'm just wanting to leave that. I just want to let that drop. Now she can tend to want to, but we want to talk about it. We want to just delve right down and get into the detail. He doesn't like detail, ladies. He likes headlines. And so look, I think we just need to work on that ourselves. And you wonder why he goes off, and goes off to the garage. He doesn't want the detail. And God knows what the detail's like. He says a woman with a, na- a nagging woman is like a dripping tap. And you know what you want to do with a dripping tap? You want to wring the faucet's neck. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Shut it off. Shut that dripping tap down. And so some men are doing, are doing well to actually go out in the garage. <laughs> Instead of, all right. And we actually we're going to cover some of that fantastic stuff in our marriage, uh, our marriage day on Saturday. Some fantastic decoding each other and how to read and appreciate each other. Praise God. Just in closing, you see, faith works by love, Galatians 5, 6 says. And We don't want to aim our weapons at ourselves. We want to aim the weapon of forgiveness. We want to aim that at Satan. We want to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand in our marriages, in our families, and allow God to exalt us in due time. Praise the Lord. What's love got to do with it? It's got everything, everything to do with it. And I felt just as we were finishing there, I felt God was saying this morning, Vanessa, I would like us to spend some time just in prayer. Now, so if I could have the worship team up. And just a time of just let's focusing on Father God, is there anything that I have against anyone? I want to walk out of this door today absolutely having my my slate clean, that I am clean in myself, that I know that I have forgiven anyone, anything, any past hurts, any past failures, any past things that parents may have done or not done, any previous marriages, any previous relationships. It's just saying, Father God, we give, those, we give that all to you right now. And we're going to do communion as well. If the ushers could just hand that communion out, and we're going to take communion, and we're just going to put that as a, as a 
mark in the sand that we're free and walk out of the store and say, yes, Lord God, I know that I've made a choice that I'm walking in love. My faith is working. My hopes, my dreams are alive. And my love is a decision. It's a decision, a decision. It's not a feeling. Phileo is a feeling, but agape is a decision. God kind of love is a decision, and our feelings will follow. They may follow, they may not, but we're doing this as a decision. Like when you got yourself born again, you may not have felt saved, but you made that decision by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. And so you've heard the word, so you can believe this morning in your heart what God has said, and you can speak with your mouth that I leave it, I let it go. And I'm free, free, free from unforgiveness, free to walk in love. So why don't we just stand? Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that you're the God that sets us free. You have set us free. You've set us free from the works of the flesh. You've set us free from unforgiveness. You've set us free, Father, from accusations, abuse, misunderstandings. Lord God, we don't have to carry that. We praise you, Father God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. So everyone's got there. Everyone's got everything. Okay, praise you, Lord God. Just wait till... They've handed out the emblems. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a good God. We thank you for your mercy towards us. That is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that your forgiveness towards us is new every morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord, that you chose. You made a choice to walk in love for us. They didn't even want it. They didn't deserve it. But your love resurrected us out of, the pit, out of the pit of hell. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us understanding that love delivers us from the torturer, that he cannot torture us. He cannot imprison us as we walk in the God kind of love. Praise you, Lord God.